0: of you here today in the Savior's name, and on behalf of Mrs. and your family, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 7 states that the memory of the just, <coughs> it was well said that blessed men. Behind blessed memory, we're gathered here together this morning to honor the blessed memory of Terry Jean Loman, who on August tenth, twenty twenty-one, was called home to be with his Lord. Psalm 116 and the verse 15 states that precious in the sight of the Lord are the death, or is the death of His saints. Before we come to the throne of grace, I want to leave upon your hearts some words from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and the verse 13 and following. Paul writes to the church and he says these words to them. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's unite our hearts at this time around the throne of grace and ask the Lord for His help. our gracious Heavenly Father. We're thankful here this morning that we can come into Thy presence in and through the matchless name of Thy Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful here this morning that we know what it is to stand and to have that free access only because of the cleansing that the blood of Christ applies. We thank You, Heavenly Father, here this morning for the power and for the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, we do pray that You will truly give comfort to those who are grieving, those who are mourning, those who feel the sadness and the loss of Mr. Loman. Lord, especially we pray that You will draw near to Mrs. Loman, to Claudia and her family, to Kelly and her family, and to Brett and his family. We pray, Lord, that we will be mindful here today that we do not sorrow as others who have no hope. But, O oh, Lord, we rejoice in thy word, which states to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We're thankful that Mr. Loman is now with thee. We're thankful, O Lord, for what He is experiencing. And we're thankful, Lord, that we are anticipating our arrival and our home going to be with Him. Lord, we give Thee thanks for Mr. Loman. Lord, what a blessing He was to our life. We're thankful for His life, and we are thankful for His death. Lord, Thy Word does state that there is a time to be born and a time to die. And Lord, You have ordained everything in between. Lord, we do ask now as well that You'll give special grace as we mourn His death. We pray, O Lord, that You will make Thyself a felt reality in this gathering here today. Lord, we want to know that Christ is in the room. We want to know the power of His Word. We want to know that God is with us and that to bless. We're thankful that Mr. Loman's life was for the glory of God. And we're thankful that in his life he sought to give Christ all the preeminence. Lord, we're thankful that You strengthened his hands to do the work that You called him to do. And Lord, we're thankful for every grace that you bestowed upon him. We're thankful for every mercy that he experienced. We're thankful for every strength that you helped them with. Oh Lord, how we bless thee today. That we have a wonderful Savior. That we have a great God in heaven. And so we ask, Lord, now that as we conduct this funeral service, we pray that we will go forth in thy help and every step of the way knowing Thy presence. Again, Lord, bless us, each one, and do our hearts good, we ask. For Jesus' sake, we pray. Amen.
1: We're going to sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus, and if you're able, I would encourage you to stand on your feet as we would have the song of praise together. There is me. I love to sing it sounds like it.
2: 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. This is the way Papa lived. Whatever his hands found to do, he did it wholeheartedly unto the Lord, and he leaves quite a testimony to each of us. There are many words that I could use to describe his hands, but I'll just share it with you. His hands were serving hands. He never passed up an opportunity to help others in need and interrupt whatever he was working on to assist someone. In fact, he found joy in serving others through the work of his hands over any project for himself. His hands served for two years in Korea and then six years um, in, in Army Reserves. Um, and any time someone ever thanked him for his service, he just simply said, I was happy to do it. His hands were tender hands. He loved Grandma for over 60 years in tender and deep ways that showed me what to look for in a spouse and left an impression on each of us. I don't think he ever passed up an opportunity to hold a baby either. Though his hands bore the marks of a hard-working man, they were always a soft and safe place to be. His hands were strong hands. After working in construction for decades, Papa had some of the strongest hands I know. Even as, in recent years, as he was working less and getting older, his hands stayed strong. He also had figuratively strong hands. He held tightly to the truth of the gospel, his family, and his convictions without wavering. His hands were scarred hands. Papa's hands were scarred for many years of hard physical labor and the many cuts and bruises that come from construction work. And I don't think any of us can forget the story of him getting his glove caught in the saw and it taking off the top of his left pointer finger. His hands were clean hands. Psalm 24:4 says, "He that hath cleared clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully." Never once did I hear my papa swear deceitfully, nor did he live a vain life. He had clean hands because he knew and trusted in the Savior's sacrifice for his sins. Jesus' blood washed him clean. His hands were fixing hands. I don't think there was ever something that Papa tried to fix that he failed at. Even if it was using duct tape, tie wire, and shins, he always found a way. Over the years, I knew that if I had a problem, my Papa could help him fix it. His hands were mischievous hands. You knew that if you ever held Papa's hand or were next to him during family prayer before a meal, he would squeeze your hands so tight you'd have to beg him to stop. And I don't think any of us escaped his wet lilies. And the best part for him, him was that he could never get us, We could never get him back since he was always hearing it. He also had me convinced a few times that a door handle was broken when it was really just Papa holding it tight and closed from the side. His hands were folded hands. I loved to hear Papa pray. I know of a certainty that he prayed for each and every one of us, specifically and by name. He prayed with such simplicity like he was talking to a friend, which he was. His hands were creative. things. Papa's mind was always moving, new ideas, and he loved to create things. This past Christmas, limited by COVID and not really able to leave the house, he had the idea that he wanted to take log slices and make a gift for each of his children and grandma with their wedding photos and would burn their wedding day. He told me all about it, had me help him get the supplies and put them together. He loved to create things he knew would make others smile. His hands were hard-working hands. Proverbs twelve fourteen says, A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. I have never known another person who worked as hard as Papa. He got up in the early hours of the morning to pour concrete or to drive to a car worksite. work site, even after he retired, he would spend his day taking care of the chickens and the ducks, working on a small project in the barn, or helping grandma around the house. By his hard work, he provided for his family and was able to give to those in need. His hands were loving hands. Papa was a man of few words, sometimes, but he was a man of action, and he consistently showed his love in every action of his hands. He was always serving, always hugging, always working, always caring. But most of all, there were hands my grandpa let the Lord use in whatever he called Papa to. He was a willing servant of the Lord's, and such an example to me of doing what the Lord gives me with my whole heart, no matter how big or small. Psalm 61.5 says, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows, thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. I am so thankful for the Godly heritage that the Lord has given me in my grandparents and for the special heritage of love, hard work, compassion, service, and sacrifice that gave me through father. I would like to miss him
0: As he passed, he was thinking of the song, and I won't sing it, but I was thinking Jesus takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. The family has asked me to share with you a eulogy, some of their memories and their thoughts about Mr. Lone, and I will. Go back and forth and say, Terry, Mr. Loman. I can't call Mr. Loman Terry. So you will understand if I say Mr. Loman. I just want to thank publicly the family for this opportunity. It means so much to me to be able to share in this service. Mr. Loman... Yes, he was a senior. He was an example. But I can honestly say he was my friend. I'm going to miss my friend. The Apostle Paul told the Hebrew Christians that God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. We're reminded, and Kara also mentioned it already, but we're reminded in the book of Ecclesiastes that whatsoever our hands find to do, we are to do it with all of our might. Really, we're to do it with all of our strength. And we're to do it with all of our substance. On August 23rd, 1932, in Wheaton, Illinois, God blessed John and Marjorie Loman with another son, and they named him Terry Jean Loman. This morning we are here to honor the memory of Mr. Loman, who was really a good example of diligent work, and heartfelt love and devotion for his family and the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mr. Loman was the youngest of four boys. His twin brother, Byron, edged him out only by a few minutes. With young twin boys, his mother turned to her mother, Grandma Kenning to help. Terry, being the smaller and less fussy of the two, spent more time with his grandma Kenning than his twin brother did during those early days. As the two grew into active toddlers and then young boys, watching them became an increasing chore. At times, I must say I had to laugh when I read this, at times the two were tied to a tree in the backyard, where they had plenty of slack to play and have a good time without wandering on. I don't know if you could do that to <laughs> <laughs> To say that four boys were rambunctious would be an understatement. It would be an equal understatement to say that they were driven, ambitious workers as well. After their father died from complications associated with World War I mustard gas poisoning, the twins began working in a tea room. I don't think they were serving tea, but instead they were washing dishes and peeling potatoes to provide additional income for the family. Terry and his older brother Ken worked for a horse farm as well, cleaning stables and walking horses when they were a bit older. As the boys grew, so did their interest, and they developed quite an interest in cars, which led the older boys to race cars. When Terry, or Mr. Loman was older, he began helping them in racing with them, which prepared him to work at a full-service gas station and learn additional mechanical skills. I need to stop there for a moment and maybe just explain to our younger audience what a full-service gas station is. There was a day when you went to the gas station, and the person who drove in, they stayed in their car, and the attendant would come out, check the tires, look under the hood, check the hoses, check the belts, fill the oil. They would basically inspect the car. And so this is what Mr. Lohman did for quite some time. I did not know this as well, but believe it or not, Mr. Loman had an excellent singing voice. One of his cousins brought news of his talent to the attention of the music teacher in the high school. The teacher invited Terry to audition. And I'm wondering, what song did he sing? Well, that audition led him to his involvement in in the highest singing group in the school. A few years later, Terry, Mr. Loman, would sing solos for his friends and brothers at their weddings. Soon after high school graduation, Terry was drafted into the US Army, along with his twin brother, Byron. They each showed up at the same processing location, and they showed up at the same time Byron, however, unfortunately, was sent home. He was disqualified from service because of a childhood accident. He broke his leg, and because of that break, it resulted in one leg being shorter than the other. So I can only assume the Army figured he could not march. For the first time in his life, Mr. Loman traveled down the road with none of his brothers by his side. After basic training, his unit was preparing to go to Germany. But being typical in the military, at the last minute, and at the last moment, however, the orders changed, and they were sent to Korea. Mr. Loman proved himself to be a hero through his service in the army. Reflecting upon his tour in Korea, he could point to several times and ways in which the Lord preserved his life, though he was not saved at the time. He rejoiced in the Lord's mercy shown to him during those days, learning later in life that he was a blood-bought soul protected by the Lord's Cannot help but think of John 6 and the verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. Sadly, he did not return from Korea to a grateful country, but did in his later years learn of appreciation from many in his country. During his trip to Washington, D.C., 2018 Mr. Loman and his family visited the Korean War Memorial and by an act of the Lord's Providence a group of visitors from South Korea met him at the memorial and thanked him and thanked him directly for his service and the impact his sacrifice made in their families. When he returned to Chicago after the end of his service, he took up employment at a shelf full service gas station where he met Mrs. Loman. And he met Mr. Loman's father as well. He used to, uh, Mr. Maloma's father used to have all his personal and business vehicle service at this full service gas station. Well one day, and please forgive me, Jean, but Mrs. Loman, she took her father's car to get some gas. And this is really quite romantic, I think. <laughs> Mr. Lohman saw in the car, saw her in the car, and he thought to himself, this is the girl that I want to marry. This thought was not shared with Mrs. Loman until just a few months ago. You know, as we were talking about that, I couldn't help but to think as well how many times Mrs. Lohman went to the gas station with a full tank of gas <laughs> just to see Mr. Lohman. Mr. Lohman... And Mrs. Lohman officially met. And Mr. Loman asked Mrs. Lohman out on a date. Well, after dating for a short time, she, she was wise. She invited him to church, knowing that her father would never allow her to continue dating someone who did not go to church. Well, we could say a lot. They were married in May of 1958. It was this year they got to celebrate their 63rd wedding anniversary. Mr. Loman changed his occupation from full time or full service station mechanic to construction by starting to work for Mr. Loman's dad. Mr. Loman continued in construction for better than a half a century. And during that time, he called in sick once and was late for work. Once, and even though he was late, he still beat his boss to work. He always used his skills and knowledge to help those in need, whether family, church family, friends, or anyone else. He at times helped people via handyman side jobs, where he took a loss because of his concern for others and the desire to help wherever he could. Mr. and Mrs. Loman had two daughters. They have two daughters, Claudia and Kelly. But they had them while living in Chicago area. They had their son, Brett, while living in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And it was while they were living in Grand Rapids, Michigan, under the ministry of Reverend Terpstra, that both Mr. and Mrs. Loman put their trust upon the Lord for their salvation. As I think of that, I think it would be Mr. Loman's prayer and desire that all of his family circle would be united in Christ. The family eventually moved to Phoenix, Arizona in 1974, where Mr. Loman spent more than half of his life. They first lived in Glendale, and then in Peoria, where he performed his last labor in this room. He was helping Mrs. Loman make cookies. The family grew to its current size during those years, which includes 13 grandchildren, seven great grandchildren. Mr. Loman worked as a skilled craftsman in construction, much of which was for Anderson Construction as was already stated by Kara, he was a man known that he could fix anything or figure out a solution for any construction or mechanical problem. Many of the tools he accumulated over the years were given to him as broken tools. And he would bring them home and with his knowledge and a little elbow grease and sometimes an inexpensive part or two, whether he made it or bought it, he had a hard-working tool. He loved to be called upon to help those in need and considered it his way of serving others. Personally, I would often call him. He was kind of like a resource for me. And I would call him and I would ask him to help me with a project and I would tell him how I was going to tackle it. And he would often say, if I were doing it, here's how I would. He would drop what he was doing and come over to the house. He also loved serving the church when called upon for projects that met his skill. The last thing he built in the church where we're currently worshiping is the platform where the pulpit sits upon. Some of his favorite times were helping his children and grandchildren with their projects, making Christmas or birthday gifts for others minor or not so minor construction projects at their homes, wedding ring boxes, or bamboo wall at a chiropractor's, chiropractor's office. Terry loved children, especially babies. And they loved him. He just had this way. He would just hold them and they would go to sleep. Apparently, He had pet names or special ways of saying names for each of his children and grandchildren that made each feel special and dear to him. He, with Mrs. Loman, always remembered each one on their birthday and other special occasions. Mr. and Mrs. Loman were also quite close to several extended family members on both sides. Outside of the family, he was known as a quiet man with few words. But apparently, this wasn't true within the family. Within the family, they always knew where he stood, and no doubt, they had no doubt about his love towards them. And he expressed that love in word and in deed. Though it was true that outside of the family, that he was known as a man of few words, his work spoke volumes. Mr. Loman enjoyed attending sporting events as well, where his children or grandchildren were participants. And in going to school veterans' days or grandparents' days events at the school. Mr. Loman was a big Chicago Bears fan and a Cubs fan, a Bulls fan, and to a lesser degree a fan of the local teams here in Phoenix, except for the Cardinals. Apparently he never really took to them too much. In recent years he also enjoyed rooting for the Lopes. The GCU men's basketball team and attended many of their games. He enjoyed fishing, especially with his wife and grandchildren. He enjoyed classic cars. He enjoyed reading history and watching documentaries. His true loves, however, were his wife, his family, his church, his country. The Savior. He has already started his never ending praise of the Savior he loved so much. For those of us who know and love him, he'll be sorely missed. But we rejoice in the legacy and example he left behind. And in the thought of the joy He is now experiencing. Remember Proverbs 10, verse 7. The memory of the just. Just before we sing the next hymn before Mr. Mook comes and brings the Lord's message, as you know, Last year, there was a shutdown because of COVID. And so, because the church was shut down at that time as well, we couldn't go to church. And so we would meet over at the Loman and the Morrow Hacienda, and we would have weekly sing We would enjoy our time together. We would all get a chance to pick different hymns, but we were limited. We could only pick one or two verses uh, from the hymn. As much as we wanted to pick three and four, we could only pick maybe one or two, or verse three or four. Well, Kelvin, he kept us all, you know, nope, two verses. But then he would say in his own way, he'd say, Dad, what would you like to sing? And then he'd say, Dad, what would you like to sing? Well, at first, we didn't know what he wanted to sing, but after the weeks went on, we realized this was his favorite song or one of his favorite songs, and he would always say, when the role is called up young. And then Kelvin would ask, Dad, what verses would you like to sing? And then Mr. Loman would say, all of them. <laughs> so with that being said, let's all sing when the roll is called.
1: Let's stand together. When the trumpet of the Lord shall the time shall be no more. And the morning grace eternal bright and fair.
3: come, and I appreciate all that has been said. Always thankful to see the U.S. flag you know, on the casket. Uh, that's a sign of faithful service to our country, and uh, so I rejoice in that today, and we certainly pay tribute to our brother Terry Bowman and thank him for his service to our country. I want to direct your attention in God's Word today to Psalm 17. Psalm 17, if you have a copy of the Scriptures with you, then I would ask you to read as I read. Psalm 17 is a prayer of David. Hear the right, O Lord. Attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are evil. Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me and hear my speech. Show thy marvelous loving kindness. O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. From the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about. They are enclosed in their own fat. With their mouth they speak proudly. They have now compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth, like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down. Deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. From men which are Thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world which have their portion in this life, and whose belly Thou fillest with Thy hid treasure, they are full of children, and leave the rest of their substance to their babes. And then especially this last verse of the song As for me, I will behold Thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with Thy likeness." May the Lord bless the reading of His precious Word for His name's sake. It was the last night of 1973 when I was at my parents' home in Maryland And pondering the last weeks of my undergraduate career and the uncertainties that stretched out after them, that the Lord impressed this text on my mind as the theme for my life in 1974, which was to prove a momentous year in my life and in the history of the world. The Bible that I used during my university years still has the note I wrote in it on that night, which was the text for 1974. This text concludes a psalm that is a prayer for the Lord's protection in the face of campaigns by the wicked against the Lord's people. The prayer of the psalmist, reflects on the people of the world in their pursuit of wealth and fame and power, noting the tragic truth that they all leave their substance to those who come after them. For the psalmist David, however, life in this world did not consist in the possessions or power he amassed. He had the heritage of the godly and desired that his last end in this world would be that of the righteous. David looked ahead to the home of redeemed souls. Strange that one whose calling in this world was to warfare, military action, and to politics, consolidation of the United Kingdom of Israel. He fixed his mind more on that which was to follow. He looked to the end of his days in this world and recognized that his desire was for peace at the end of life's turmoil. He knew the promise that he would see God and find conformity to the image of God. His prayer breathed confidence in God and is the confession of believers in their last journey from this world to heaven. This text is the exposition of contentment at heaven's gate. On January 18, 1987, I met Terry and Jean Loman for the first time, and I feel at liberty to call them by their first names because they gave me those instructions when I first met them. They came to attend a worship service at our church in the portable classroom building at Moon Mountain School, where Phoenix Free Presbyterian Church spent the first eleven and a half years of its existence. On that Lord's Day began 34 years of friendship and fellowship with the Lomans. It made the news of Terry's death most painful to us. We could not love Terry as his family did, but we loved him as a faithful brother and fellow servant in the Lord. We loved him, as we have heard, as a quiet and unassuming man who was the hardest working person I have known. As we heard, he and Craig worked together to build the platform on which the pulpit of Phoenix Free Presbyterian Church stands. And at that time, Terry was 77 years old. For our family, while we lived in our home in North Phoenix, before our move to Glendale, Terry Loman was a kind and diligent and generous helper in many projects which, with which we needed assistance. In more recent years, as his strength waned and his health took many turns, he still tried to be in his place, in the house of God. And he was there on June 27th, the last day when I spoke to the congregation as the pastor. And on that occasion, after the morning service, he wished me well and spoke in his quiet way of how the Lord blessed him through the ministry of his word. When I heard the news of his death, within a day or two, this psalm was part of my regular reading schedule. And this verse that has been in my heart for nearly 50 years was the one the Lord led me to preach. It represents how our beloved brother, so dear to his family and his congregation, came to the end of his pilgrimage through the wilderness of this world. That Tuesday afternoon, uh, uh, we have heard, he entered his final struggle in this life. And mercifully, it was not long. And the Lord brought him Gently to the threshold of the Father's house. He had to take leave of all the people who were precious to him. And all the works of his hands that were the result of a lifetime of diligent service. There's something very hard about that part, But such is God's grace that Terry Loman passed into heaven in peace. We've heard about his service in the Korean War. Among the things that I learned after Terry's death was his experience in combat, witnessing one of his comrades in arms right in front of him fall. He escaped. Terry escaped injury at that time and as we heard later he learned why he belonged to Christ in the eternal decree of God that God preserved him even in war and ultimately he turned to Christ in repentance and faith and was ready for the call to enter heaven's gate and this text expounds the experience of our dear brother now. Three simple components of which we read go together to bring this contentment at heaven's gate. First, the proclamation to each person. Those words that open the text are pointed. David said, after speaking about many other people, as for me. As for me, the gospel is a message to individuals. In the obituary that is part of the program today, you read that Terry came to know the Lord in 1965. He could not find contentment in the hour of death by trusting in the faith of others, even if they were family members. The gospel had to be a message for him just as it is a message for you. It was the wish of Mrs. Lohman that the gospel should be preached on this occasion. And the first component of that message is that it is to you as an individual. That which we consider today, you have to consider for yourself. And God will be the witness that you have heard the proclamation. That proclamation is a clear focus and that is the second part of the text. The provision of everlasting pardon. The psalmist's contentment as he looked to the future lay solely in the ability to behold God's face in righteousness. The Bible makes it plain. You cannot behold God's face in any other way. To behold God's face in righteousness is to receive the blessing of the Gospel by faith alone in Christ alone. Terry Loman is not in heaven because he was kind or diligent or attentive to his family. Those attributes were the result of the work of God's Spirit in him. But Terry's contentment when he came to heaven's gate lay in the assurance that he had the pardon of God for all his sins. His hope was in Christ, in the work of Christ for him. Christ lived in perfect obedience to the law of God, something that neither Terry Loman nor anyone else could do, but which God nevertheless required. Christ lived that life in Terry's place. And God imputed that righteousness to Terry. And at the same time, Terry rested in the sacrificial work of Christ on the cross as the sole payment for all His sins. So when you look on the face of our dearly beloved brother today, you behold the triumph of Calvary. That another one of Christ's redeemed souls has arrived wholly. home. He's not with us anymore because he's with the Lord. He has the pardon of God. And that's the pardon you need for your sins. And there's no other way to get it than by bowing before Christ in confession and repentance of your sins and placing all of your hope in Him for the salvation of your soul. So He's now beholding the face of the Lord in righteousness. And that's not even the best part. The third part of the text, the promise of endless paradise. I shall be satisfied when I awake with Thy likeness, All the turmoil of this life ends here. The psalmist had no concern about anything to do with this life, with the apparent success of the wicked who were all around him, because to be in the likeness of God without sin, without any memory of its guilt and shame, was the satisfaction that David desired. The language of awakening in our text is the language of the resurrection. Now we don't know what the experience of Terry Loman is now. I wouldn't presume to try to describe it. I think words would be inadequate. But we know that he is with the Lord. But our text holds before us the great promise of the Gospel, that there will come a day when the dead in Christ shall rise. Jesus said to Martha and Mary concerning their brother Lazarus, thy brother shall rise again. The prophet Isaiah spoke of the day of resurrection, thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. When I visited with Mrs. Loman and with Kelvin and Kelly a week ago today, I read from John 11, and I said to Jean, My husband shall rise again. And to Kelly, I said, thy father shall rise again. And to Kelvin, I said, thy father-in-law shall rise again. So today, we're going to take a journey to the National Cemetery to commit the body of this servant of his country to the ground. But he shall rise again. What a day it will be. From 1 John 3 and 2, we find these words, Beloved, now are we the sons of God? And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. I can tell you today that Terry Loman, a sinner saved by the grace of God, is satisfied where he is. He has no desire to be back here. He's no more concerned with the things of this world. And no one here should want him back in the problems of mortal flesh. But we are waiting for the day of which Isaiah spoke elsewhere. He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God shall wipe will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of His people shall He take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. Here's comfort for those who mourn today. We have spoken of the secret of contentment at heaven's gate.. Be sure today that you are resting in the Savior. The psalmist desired nothing else. The appeal of the world around him left him cold. So turn away from the shallowness of this world and trust in Christ alone so that you will know contentment at heaven's gate. Let us bow and pray. Gracious Father and eternal God, we thank Thee for Thy Word. Thank Thee for the message of the Gospel. We thank Thee. It was a message that our dear brother loved to hear. Thank Thee for his example of steadfastness and faithfulness in the service of Christ for all these years. How we beseech them, that thou would grant to us this contentment at heaven's gate. We know not who among this body of people will be the next to come to the end of life, but we pray that thou would grant that all shall be ready for the call and no contentment at Heaven's gate, Bless the family, we pray. We ask Thee to comfort each one of them who mourn and grieve in their own ways. We pray that they will know the comfort that comes only from Christ. So, write Thy Word upon our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: service is over. We have a few announcements we need make. First of all those non-family members, you can express your respects to the family and to say goodbye to Mr. Loman here in the front of the sanctuary. If you choose to do so, please exit through the double doors here. You can also exit in the back of the sanctuary here. The family will spend a few minutes after that alone before the casket is closed. There will then be a short procession with family and the casket out the double doors behind it is loaded into the colt into the coach. Those who would like to watch that procession can find a spot near and behind the coach. So outside, be a preferable place to stand that's not in the direct line of the procession. Shortly after the casket has been loaded into the coach, the escort service will lead all over in a procession to the National Memorial Cemetery, Arizona, we will then be directed to a particular pavilion for the committal service. You can park your vehicles near the pavilion to the side of one of the cemetery lanes. The committal service will be brief, and it will include military. Again, we just give God all the glory for the life of this servant, Terry Jean. Thank you for coming.
3: Gentlemen, the United States of America honors the memory of one of our fallen soldiers today. There will be military honors presented. And your demeanor during the presentation of those honors, if you are able to stand, it will be that which you would accord to the playing of the national anthem. So the military honors will be presented at
0: Soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff may comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin the strength of sin is the law. but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ.
3: For as much as it has pleased Almighty God to call from this world unto himself, the soul of Terry Jean Loman. We who remain commit his body into the ground, ashes to ashes, and dust to dust. In doing so, we have the certain hope that the Lord Jesus Christ will come to this world again, and that on that day of his glory and power, he will raise this mortal body, to glorious immortality. This act we do in the name of God the Father and of God the Son and of God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Father in Heaven, we rejoice in Thy providential care that has brought us to this place and this time. Thank thee again for the memory that our nation has honored of this servant of thine. Thank thee for his faithful service in the cause of liberty in his country. We ask, O Lord, that thou wilt be pleased to continue to bless his memory to the generations yet to come. Father, we commend Mrs. Lohman, and her family underneath. O oh Lord, we pray that thou wilt show them the reality of thy presence to comfort them, to bear them up. We rejoice in that promise that our Lord Jesus will come again and will raise the body of Terry. Glorious Immortal. Hear our cry, we pray, and may thy blessing rest upon us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Our service to you on behalf of the VA National Cemetery of Cadolphy. At this time, I'm going to call our van driver and have him picked up and placed for burial. Please allow 20 minutes after that so we can bury him in a dignified, respectful manner, and you're more than welcome to visit. Thank you, and this does include the service to you.